0: Connection, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM.
1: Morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live on this Friday. Casey Justclair here. We've got a fun ninety minutes of sports talk coming your way. Usually at the top of the show, I'd be yelling and screaming and saying, "Oh, it's game day!" and we'd be doing all the stuff that we did yesterday. Not gonna do any of that today because it's not game day down the Bayou. The Tarpons played Ellen there last night. And in fact, locally, there's only one game that'll be happening in the area tonight. That'll be terrible and though albeit that's a very, very big game in our area. But it's just one game on the local slate um, today in high school football. We'll give you a rundown of some of the local scores. We'll give you an update on, on where some of the, the chips fell last night. as we had a lot of action. And then in the open of the show, look, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some thoughts. South of Fuchsia is 2-7. I'm an alum of the school, love the school, love the football program, love everything about the school, but yeah, we, we got to have a little talk here in the open of the show. <clears throat> um, we've got Chandler Guitros at 1145. we got Damien St. Pierre at 1215. We'll talk some NFL at noon. We'll talk uh, our weekend predictions after Damien, which will be oh, 1240-ish, and then betting picks at the bottom of the show. Mm-hmm. Scoreboard from last night, we had Assumption, defeating Vanderbilt Catholic 39-27. to uh, Vanderbilt, man, they just they just can't get it rolling. Every time you feel like they're gonna get some momentum, every time you feel like they're gonna, you know, take some strides and take some steps, they have some tough results. Now, look, they're in a situation where they play South Lafouche next Friday. They have to win to make the playoffs. They lose that game. Yeah, it's Adios Amigo. Uh, last night on a game that you were able to hear right here on KLEB it was Ellen they're getting a 48-32 win over South Lafouche. We also had Hanville defeats Central Lafourche 49-17. South Terrebonne beat HL Bourgeois 49-12. And uh, that wraps up our local scoreboard from last night. Around the state, we also had St. Edmund defeating Westminster Christian 32-14. to Iowa defeating St. Louis Catholic 29-21. to <laughs> um, Don't know why that one makes me giggle so much. If you were at the South Lafourche-St. Louis game, maybe you understand why. West Wachita 41, Pineville 7, Acadiana, Karen, uh, Acadiana 21, Karen Crow 20. But I'm not going to go over the state scores. You guys are not interested in a whole lot of what's happening high school-wise besides what's happening in our area. But let's talk. I promised you some talk about the South Lafouche Tarpon football program here in this segment. Let's have a conversation. South Lafourche is now 2-7. and seven. Let's be honest. <clears throat> it's not good enough. Two and seven for the Tarpon football program is not good enough. Now, if you're listening in and you're expecting me to yell and scream and talk about you know firing coaches and stuff, like turn off the radio, that, that's not going to happen. I think B.J. Young is a very good football coach. And I think that he's got a pretty damn good staff. But there are some things that are happening that just simply have to get better. Let's start with the, uh, with the good and some of the positive from last night. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Louisiana on your team. I'm not talking about in the area. I'm not talking about in Lafourche Parish. I'm talking about in the state of Louisiana. You've got one of the best. Carson Osier. last night was 21 of 31, 311 yards passing, two touchdowns. On the ground, he rushed for 183 yards and three touchdowns. He's a junior. He's going to be back. He's one of the best quarterbacks in Louisiana, period. If you've got a dude in the state that could throw for 300 yards and rush for almost 200 yards while throwing at a high level of accuracy, 21 of 31, you've got a dude. You've got a playmaker, and BJ said it on After the Lights last night, which is that every time he's out there, we've got a shot no matter who we're facing. So let's start there. Going into your next season, you've got a dude at quarterback, a dude that could legitimately make a difference every single time he's out on the field. You've also got a receiver like Camden Berg who's coming back, a dude who had nine catches for 166 yards last night. He's going to be your number one target next year. Titan Alamo will also be back. He caught a touchdown last night. So the Tarpons' offense, I think, is going to be in pretty good shape. you got to replace some receivers. you got to replace a little bit on the offensive line. But your offense, I think, is going to be in pretty good shape. Let's talk about the other side of the ball and the other two phases of the game because that's where the crux of this conversation has to lie. South LaFouche has got to figure out how to get better on defense. I'm tired of hearing Oh, they've got they've got athletes or oh, you know, they outran us. Figure something out. Last night at times, Ellender's playmakers were getting in space and it was like they were playing Madden. They were juking and jiving and going backwards and side to side and spinning. And there was one play Royal Williams, and I told this to BJ Young. I was off the airs after the 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 postgame show. Roy Williams could have been running around for a half hour before anyone would have tackled him last night. They were toying with South Lafouche at times last night. The Tarpon defense has allowed 373 points in nine games. For those of you reaching for your iPhone to calculate or to divide and figure out how many points per game that is, don't worry, I got it. That's 41.4 points per game. I don't care if you're playing middle school. I don't care if you're playing Bantam. I don't care if you're playing in the backyard with your friends. I don't care if you're playing college, NFL, high school, whatever level you want to play. If you're giving up 40 a game, guess what? You're going to be 2-7, and seven, if not worse. South Lafouche has given up 28 or more points in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of their 8 games. They've given up twenty or more points every game. They've given up forty or more points one, two, three, four, five times. Well, you know what? I'm I'm counting these wrong because the L and score hadn't been updated on the LHSA website. They've given up forty or more points one, two, three, four, five times in nine games. They've given up thirty eight or more points six times in eight games. Or nine games rather, sorry. It's a defense that doesn't do much of anything well. They don't stop the run well. They don't limit big plays. They don't tackle well. Let's start with the fundamentals, the basics. If you are going to be not as athletic as your opponents, you've got to make up for that somewhere else. E.D. White isn't as athletic as some of the teams that they play, but I'll be damned that they don't shut them down. How? Fundamentals. They beat your ass at the line of scrimmage, and they take good angles, and when they get their hands on you, you're on the ground because they're tackling you. Fundamentals. That has to be a huge focus of the offseason for South Lafouche. Fundamentals. You have to be better fundamentally than you are right now. This stuff of grab tackling and trying to hit a guy high when you weigh 120 pounds, no. You're going to give up big plays doing that. This stuff of taking bad angles on screen passes and just kind of escorting a guy, running alongside him into the end zone, you're going to give up 40 points doing that. This stuff of a guy catches a ball on the sideline and instead of just pushing him out of bounds, using the sideline as a defender, trying to hit him high and getting run over, you're going to give up 40 points doing that. I'm tired of hearing about the athletes the other team has. Make your athletes better. Have your athletes be more fundamentally sound than what they are right now. And then a lot of this stuff goes away. A lot of this stuff goes away. Let's talk about the third phase of the game. Could pick on the defense, but the reality is that the defense is being dealt a tough hand because the opponent is starting from the 50 yard line every single drive because South LaFouche is not good on special teams. Last night, South LaFouche outgained Ellender 523 to 484. South LaFouche got 26 first downs. Ellender got 15. Why did Ellender win by 16? Because South LaFouche was starting their drives at their own 20-yard line. Ellender was starting theirs at the 50. Because heaven forbid they try to kick the ball deep down the field because they're going to run it back for a touchdown every single time trying pooch kicks and pop kicks and squib kicks and trying and onside kick. The ball goes at negative 10 yards. Can't kick an extra point. Special teams is a phase where when you're an underdog, you've got to excel. And that's not an area where South LaFouche has excelled this year. Not by a long shot. It may seem minuscule. It may not seem large nor significant the fact that they're starting at the 40 and you're starting at the 15 or the 20, but you do that over 48 minutes and it becomes a big, big problem. Last night, you outworked your opponent. You outgained your opponent. You got almost double the first downs of your opponent, but you finished 16 points short because of field position. Last night, you gained 523 yards of offense and had one of the best quarterbacking performances that I've ever seen in the history of the school. You fell short because you can't get stops and can't get off the field. BJ knows that it needs to get fixed. Everyone with with two working eyes knows that it needs to get fixed. Now it's going to be a matter of putting in the work having some uncomfortable conversations, maybe changing some routines, maybe changing some habits, and actually getting it fixed. Because some of it, undoubtedly, is the fact that some of the opponents are a little stronger, a little faster, a little quicker, a little more athletic. But damn, that ain't all of it. Some of it at some point is just having to change what you do and trying to reverse some trends in that locker room because, man, it ain't all athleticism. Fundamentally, you've got to get better. Special teams have got to get better. There are some kids on some of those units I don't even know who they are. It's, that's not a rest area. That's not an opportunity to just play someone who doesn't play. That's not a rest stop. Get your best 11 out there and go attack that phase. That's not just a break in between offense and defense. Those are two areas that, whew, if you want to reverse this two and seven, next year, those two areas have got to drastically be better. Because it's frustrating watching the team score 30-some-odd points, get 500-plus yards of offense, and come up short week after week because they're losing decisively in those other two areas. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Chandler Geetros. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this quick timeout.
2: As a father of triplet girls, State Representative Tanner McGee defended our conservative family values in the legislature. Now... He wants to bring those same values to the Court of Appeal. A respected attorney with over a decade of legal experience, Tanner McGee will be a judge who upholds the Constitution, defends the rule of law, and protects our families from violent criminals, just like he protects his own. Tanner McGee for Judge. Paid for by the Friends of Tanner McGee.
4: We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Golfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference. There
5: are over 3,600 RV dealerships in North America, and just over 1% of those earn the prestigious Top 50 Dealer Award. Fence RV is proud to be in that 1%. Being a Top 50 dealer takes dedication to our customers, offering the best RV brands in the market, great service, and a huge parts selection. Our goal at Bents RV is to enhance customer experiences through our commitment to customer satisfaction. Come on over to Bents RV to experience a top 50 dealer or visit us at BentsRV.com.
6: TerraBone General Health System, where medical science meets the art of caring, is committed to providing the latest advances in medical technology with a gentle caring touch. This is evident in our high-tech, high-touch approach to healthcare. As a trusted healthcare resource, we deliver both life-saving, compassionate inpatient services and life-changing preventive care. While also providing wellness needs and outreach throughout the Bayou region. To learn about how Terrabone General is providing innovative healthcare solutions, visit TGHealthSystem.com.
5: When it comes down and
1: it hurts Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. Casey Gisclair here. We're gonna be Chatting it up in the next 10-15 minutes with South LaFouche baseball coach and freshman football coach, Coach Chandler Guitros, who's on the line now. Coach, good morning, buddy. How are you?
7: Hey, doing well.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, Fun time of the year. Football is getting a little closer to wrapping up, uh, which is going to mean that we're kind of blending into some other stuff. But before we dive into that, you guys hit the road freshman-wise, took on Hanville. Give us a rundown of what your week was like with those guys, man.
7: Yeah, uh, once again, uh, another opponent this week uh, with a scheduled game that we find out on Monday uh, would not be able to participate in freshman or JV for that matter. Uh, so that's another week that we didn't get to really play as our individual freshman team. We uh, we kind of mixed in with our JV team uh, like we did the previous week and went take on Honville's JV team. So, uh, you know, whether our kids got uh, 20 reps or 5 reps or 10 reps in that game or whether they played the whole game, which some of them did, uh, it was good just to be able to get them out there playing against a different colored jersey, and uh, competed well. Uh, you know, skill guys on uh, the offensive side. A couple of them had some good days. Um, you know, uh, but it's uh, you know same thing as the E.D.Y. we be trying to mix in uh, really two separate teams together and try to get everybody some reps in there. Uh, so that's a little bit uh, tough. Uh, but uh, hopefully this weekend, Vanderbilt, we haven't heard anything yet to the contrary, but Vanderbilt will have a true freshman team, and we will, we will be able to play that last home game next Wednesday.
1: Why don't teams these days have freshman squads anymore, man? Like, is it is – it, I mean, we all hear all the time, All oh, you know, youth football numbers are down. and Like, is this just the final ripple effect of that? Is that just, like, less kids are playing? Like, it's a little surprising to me to hear that there's so many issues with getting freshman games.
7: Yeah, I really, uh, I don't get it. Uh, you know, and it's the same thing. Uh, you know, people play in middle school; they might not play in high school uh, for whatever reason because uh, it is harder. It is, it's more time-consuming, and you, you really have to commit yourself and really love this. If you don't love the game of football, football is not fun. Uh, it's just simple as that. Uh, between the time and the hard work, and the physical toll that it takes on your body, you got to love this, or it's not going to be fun for you. And, uh, you know, I think uh, people these days have a lot of other options. You know, if you, you always hear uh, older people like our parents talking all the time. Man, when we were kids, everybody used to play in the yard. Now nobody's playing in the yard uh, kind of deal. It, it's a lot more distractions for kids to have. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the numbers are down all across the country. And, uh, you know, we definitely seeing that. I'm proud of our uh schooling community that we have been able to keep a freshman program uh, above ground and haven't ever had to Uh, you know, the last couple of years had to worry about canceling a freshman game because we didn't have kids, so, uh, you know, hopefully it's just a cycle and it turns around, but, uh, you know, I I don't know. (laughs) It's it's, uh, definitely trending less and less kids playing the game.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. So, uh, you know, I I ask coaches about this often at the end of their season is, you know, man, uh, when you guys wrap up Wednesday, it's going to stink a little bit. I mean, you you grow attached to these kids and, you know, you like being around them and, you know, Wednesday, win, lose, or draw against Vanderbilt, you know, it's, it's not going to be fun, you know, saying goodbye to a group that you've spent the last several months with.
7: Yeah, um, and look, I'm just going to be frank. I'm just so proud of the growth in this group of kids, man. We we go to that our first Jamboree play in Thibodeau High and get absolutely blasted. I mean, couldn't make a play offensively, couldn't tackle defensively, couldn't set an edge, getting blown 10 yards off the football to where the next time we play them a few three weeks later we're competitive we tie them and i think they haven't lost the game all season and then from there man we've just been kind of whenever we've been in our separate uh games just having our group together playing against kids of their own age they've been excelling you know three game winning streak uh going into close of the year uh so it's just a tremendous uh growth that we've seen from them they've grasped the all- offense They've grasped the blocking scheme, which is my biggest thing uh, going into it. And defensively, they've been playing fast, aggressive, and tackling well and being opportunistic. So a uh, great group of boys. I'm definitely going to miss them as they move on to that, uh, that higher level. Um, but uh, just once again, just so proud of their group.
1: Tell me about baseball. It's you know still that quiet time where you guys aren't doing a whole lot, just kind of getting some individual work, keeping guys polished up. Your schedule's already made. That you know that hay's already in the barn. So as a varsity baseball coach, what are you doing right now? What are some things that are going through your mind as you're going through your day-to-day grind?
7: Uh, right now I have Coach Chasson and Coach uh, Angelette who are running our off-season program. And uh, what I'll, I'm doing basically is scheduling and coordinating when, where, because uh, we're still only going forward a time um so coordinating uh you know who's there who's got a miss for something okay can you fill this spot so kind of behind the scenes background role making sure everything's getting done there um you know helping uh helping out where i can and then uh you know after next friday uh come next uh saturday i'll be full-time back in the swing with baseball so as we gain kids i'll be there able to take a lot more of those sessions and uh you know really start ramping it up you know it's uh it's a tough uh tough swing because you i can't it's not right for me to not uh, give the kids that I'm working with right now on the football side everything that i got, uh, but also in the back of your mind, you know, uh, my, my job here is to be the head baseball coach. So, uh, you know, as soon as that uh, script gets flipped, uh, come next week, it's time to be back all in, 100% undivided attention on baseball and, you know, uh, getting back to it. Uh, I'm very excited, uh, very, very excited to get back with our boys on the diamond.
1: Uh, amongst your football guys that you have right now, uh do a handful of them play baseball or is there a situation where you know uh maybe it's a lighter group like give us a rundown do, do you have some guys that you have now that you'll be coaching again in the spring
7: uh yes yeah, so so with that uh freshman group, I know I really didn't get to coach uh Josh mack he's been j v varsity, but he played with us over the summer uh and I think that he'll come in and he'll be able to fight for a spot in the lineup you know as uh I'm not gonna shy away from saying it to keep at uh I believe it was six hundred at the varsity <laughs> level last summer. Now it was it was a twelve at bat sample size when we bumped him up to that level. But still, you know, he's he wasn't intimidated. He could play. He's a player. Uh not saying he will, but I mean he's gonna compete and push our guys, uh the guys above him. Um you know, a couple of them here and there. I like to Rest due a lot this summer. He did a good job for us. He's been our tailback linebacker, and he did a, uh, he's one of the kids that we brought up. Camden Bro another one that we brought up to play with us this summer. Uh, so uh, a couple of them right there, and a lot of them telling me that they're going to be trying out. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing if it carries over. I love uh, I love multiple sport athletes, and especially when they are coming from the football field. As like I said in previous shows, I think it, uh, it builds character and you, uh, you get tougher by playing football, and I want those guys, if they have the ability to, to, uh, to come out and help us out on the other side in the spring.
1: Baseball, diamond-wise, I know that, look, on the football side, it looks like our press box is just kind of sort of getting to where in the next few weeks or so it can maybe be wrapped up. Baseball-wise, I know that the, the the press box has been condemned. It's likely going to have to be torn down and removed. What are some of the updates there, man? Is there anything facility-wise that you guys are worried about before the next year?
7: Uh, right now, actually uh, Coach Colle informed me last night that we did get or the uh, the contractors did get approval uh, from uh, I believe the district to tear down the press box. so that's gonna be uh, coming in the next uh, couple of weeks, I believe. Uh, so all those wires and everything's disconnected and uh, you know that that run our lights, so they should be ready to move forward with that. We will not have a press box again this year. Uh, I'm not sure right now. If that'll be a construction zone, or if they'll wait to start on that next uh, after our season or over the summer. Uh, but we will not have a press box this year. We'll uh, we'll figure it out once it's down. Uh, so press box will not be there. Concession will continue to be sold from the visitor side of the stadium. Uh, they're working on getting new visitors bleachers, and um, I believe once that press box is out the way, they'll start with the uh, the netting. Uh, behind our field. For those unfamiliar, our field has been a chain-link fence uh, kind of in front of the viewer, in front of the uh, the stands. And that's not really aesthetically a very good baseball viewing experience. So we're definitely excited to add some netting back there. And I think it's going to uh, you know be a great improvement in our facility.
1: Man, I got one suggestion. Window unit air conditioning in the press box. Please, please allow that to be part of the
7: plan. <laughs> hey. I'm all in for whatever <laughs> as much as they want to give a fan I'm all about it. I'm all about it but uh hopefully they take care of you and coach up there. <laughs> Very good.
1: Before we let you go man, I got to ask you about LSU because it seems like LSU's been on a winning streak since we started talking about this at the tail end of the interviews. You got a bye week. You're taking on Alabama next Saturday. Be a huge game, a game that may decide the SEC West. Dude, it's it's crazy. Like who would have thought after the first game against Florida State that LSU would be in this position where like you're playing for a chance to win the conference, you're playing for a chance to go to New Year's Six games, and hell, if you win the rest, you're playing for a chance to go to the damn playoff. Now that's all stuff that's way down the road. That's all stuff that's a big long shot. But just the fact that you're in that conversation, boy, Brian Kelly and his staff are doing
7: some work. And yeah, that's awesome. And what a uh, what a majority of sports fans might not realize is that teams are allowed to get better during the season. Right. You know, with the- <laughs> With, with uh, good coaching, good practice habits, good culture, you are allowed to get better during the season, and uh, that's what you've seen from this group. Uh, the growth of the offense, especially the quarterback man. Uh, you know, it, it was no secret. You you saw him, or uh, you saw Coach Kelly in the Tennessee game, uh, screaming at the top of his lungs. He's one on one, gives the receiver a shot, and to see that kid take that coaching and what he's uh, flipped at 11 total touchdowns in the last two games against SEC opponents, it's incredible and uh look you got a guy like that you got a puncher's chance against anybody including the alabamas of the world uh you got guy uh, got can make those plays uh you know it's special it's special to see the growth in him and uh and the rest of the team this year
1: very good brother thanks so much for the time have a great rest of the day and have a wonderful weekend man
7: all right casey I have a good one buddy see you next week
1: yep that is coach chan lakitro is doing a great job as always spending some time with us on friday and uh I'm already ready for Tarpon baseball. Let's get a break. When we get back, talk some NFL here on KLEB. We'll be right back after this.
2: There are a lot of reasons Tanner McGee spent the last seven years fighting for families in the legislature, but there are three that stand above the rest, Julia, Grace, and Kate. As a father of triplet girls, Tanner believes the most important things we can give our children is a loving home and a safe community. That's why he served in the legislature, and why with over a decade of legal experience, Tanner McGee will be a judge our families can depend on. Paid for by the friends
7: of Tanner McGee.
8: Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection. Or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at
9: 985-325-1000. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving LaFouche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators. For the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial power systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano.
10: Hendricks here your candidate for LaFouche parish judge division a everyone votes in this race from the fouchon to the saint john community up down and across the bayou i've been your prosecutor for eight and a half years trying over 100 jury and judge trials with federal state and local experience before practicing law i was an eighth grade teacher in the public schools for 11 years so remember heather Hendricks for judge Early voting begins October 25th, and the election is November 8th. Paid for by the committee to elect Heather Hendricks.
5: Come on! Yeah!
2: If you want it all back, jump to your feet right now! Oh!
1: For the kingdom suffering
2: violence,
1: but the violent,
2: take it! Take it! By force!
1: Welcome back to Play by Play. We thank Chandler Guitros for his time in the last segment. We've got Damien coming up right around the corner. Who knows what type of trouble Damien and I will get into in the next segment. Um, Let's talk some NFL here. Uh, We've got another NFL week, and I talked a ton about the Saints yesterday, so we'll keep it a little light on them. We'll ask Damien about the Saints in the next segment, but last night while at South LaFouche, we also had the Ravens and Bugs game pulled up on the iPad and we were watching that one. Baltimore gets a twenty seven to twenty two win over Tampa. Um the Ravens improved to five and three on the season. Tampa drops to three and five on the season. <sighs> Tampa Bay has some issues, dude. Um like there's this assumption that like Tampa's gonna just flip a switch, magic wand, like everything's gonna be okay at some point. I don't think that's happening. I think that what we're seeing right now with Tampa is just what they are. Brady's immobile. He can't move. So when the rush comes, he just gets sacked. Or just throws it at the feet of a receiver because he doesn't want to get sacked. And it's hard to play offense in the NFL when the play's busted up just anytime anything goes wrong. NFL defenses are athletic. NFL defenses are capable of making things rough on you. If your offense is predicated on everything has to be perfect to succeed, you're in a bind. You're in a bind. That's why guys like Mahomes are so difficult to guard because when the play breaks down or a guard or a tackle misses a block on Mahomes, he's capable of stepping up and moving around and wiggling and getting out. There are different things he can do. Brady can't do any of that stuff. So if just anybody misses a block ever, the play's over. That hurts Tampa Bay, man. That hurts Tampa Bay a lot. Watch them and pay attention to them when they play. How often is Tom Brady in the pocket and then like someone's running at him and he just kind of throws it at the feet of somebody or like just kind of throws it out of bounds? Doesn't feel like a lot in the moment, but when you add it up over the totality of it, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight plays in a game, that could be a big difference in the game, right? That could be a big difference in the season. Multiply those eight plays times 17 games. Like, that's a lot of wasted plays and a lot of wasted energy. <clears throat> so Baltimore gets the win. Tampa's now 3-5, and, and and look, they can maybe get to like 8-9, 9-8. Nine, nine, like, they could maybe flip that sort of a switch. But this idea that they're about to just go on a run and start beating everybody and be a Super Bowl contender, that ain't happening that ain't happening. In the NFL this Sunday, we've got some good matchups around the league. Uh, you know, we've got Atlanta and Carolina. I know you guys are saying, well, that's not a good matchup, but <clears throat> the winner of that one's going to be in first place in the NFC South. Uh, I think Atlanta's going to take care of Carolina there, but the winner of that one's going to be in first place. We've also got Arizona traveling to five and one Minnesota. Minnesota is one that I'm trying to figure out. They're five and one. Ah, eh, they haven't looked good all the time. That'll be one to follow. Who's New England going to start at quarterback against the Jets? The Patriots are three and four. They've got Mac Jones and they've got a uh, Zappy, and they're both kind of flirting with that starting position. They're taking on the five and two Jets. <laughs> so that'll be a fun one. At 3:25, you got the 49ers and the Rams. The Rams are three and three. Trying to get a little bit of mojo and a little bit of vibe. San Francisco's three and four, but it's extremely beat up. Christian McCaffrey should have a better grasp of the offense on Sunday. We should have a better idea of how he's going to fit there. That'll be a fun matchup. The one I'm looking forward to seeing is Sunday night. Got the Buffalo Bills hosting the Green Bay Packers. Call me a front runner. Call me a guy who follows you know the winners or rides the wave of momentum. Call me any of that stuff. I love the Buffalo Bills. It's a lot of fun watching the Buffalo Bills for multiple reasons. A, because Josh Allen is a man-child, right? Already in six games, he's got 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, 2,000 yards passing. He's rushed for 257 yards and two touchdowns. He could run. He could throw. He's built like an army tank. He's one of the most explosive NFL players that I've ever seen. But secondly, the reason why I like Buffalo, their fans are crazy. Look, I'm a wrestling guy. I talk wrestling with you all here. We talk wrestling when Taylor Griffin comes on. We're going to talk wrestling in the next segment when Damien comes on. The Bills Mafia, as they call themselves, you know how they celebrate games? and when You know how they tailgate? Like here in Louisiana, we get drunk. We get drunk and we scream tiger bait at fans who are wearing the color shirt of our opponent. That's what we do. You know what they do? They gather around. And they suplex one another through tables. They body slam one another through tables. They take being ridiculous to a completely different level. And they do this as a franchise that's never really won anything, right? They've never won the Super Bowl. They made it a million times in the 90s and lost every single year. (laughs) Imagine what would happen if that fan base won the Super Bowl. Everybody in America would go through a table. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Bills and the Packers because, look, Green Bay's an 11-point underdog. Everybody's kicking on Aaron Rodgers. They're 3-4. and four. They're not playing well. You got to go take on the, the big almighty uh, Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo's a huge favorite. I want to see if Rodgers got a little extra fight, a little extra juice here. So if Buffalo just straight blows them out, boy, that that'd be a really good win against a Packer team that's hungry. Let's look in the NFC. We Remember we told you guys at the beginning of the season that we didn't think the NFC would be very good and that the NFC would be very wide open. We've now played seven weeks of football. What do we got in the NFC right now? Let's start in the West. Seattle's in first place. They're four and three. Does anybody in their right mind think Seattle's any good? Hell no. The Rams are 3 and 3. They've only scored 104 points in 6 games. They can't block. All they've got is Cooper Cup. They don't have any weapons. They don't have any run game. They're not very good. 49ers are 3 and 4. They're beat up. The Cardinals are 3 and 4. They're not very good. Everything in the south isn't any good. The Falcons are 3 and 4. Tampa 3 and 5. Panthers and Saints both stink. That entire division's not very good. The North. Minnesota's 5 and 1. Does anybody truly think Kirk Cousins is going to the Super Bowl? Come on, Mal. Pass. Minnesota's not going to make it to the Super Bowl. Green Bay is 3-4. Chicago's is 3-4. The Lions are 1-5. In the East, you've got some teams with some really good records out there. The Eagles are 6-0. Oh, the Giants are 6-1. Dallas 5-2. The Commanders 3-4. The Eagles are probably the best team, and I don't think that that's really something to say with much doubt right now. They're probably the best team. They're undefeated. They're playing really well. But does anybody think that they could run that offense, which is going to be based on running the quarterback a ton without getting nicked up, without having some issues? They're going to have to rely heavily on their defense, because Jalen Hurts is going to start having to play. I'm not going to say he's going to miss games, get knocked out. But as the can gets a little bit more and more dented, he's going to want to run less and less. He's going to You know, as he gets sore ribs, his accuracy maybe get less and less. That's the thing with running quarterbacks. And you guys say that I have a, you know, vendetta against running quarterbacks. It's not that. It's that what we saw last year with the Ravens is what happens more often than not with running quarterbacks. They get nicked up, and then later in the season, the team falls off of a cliff. The Ravens were one of the best teams in the NFL through three-fourths of the season last year. Lamar started playing hurt, then started missing games hurt, and the team fell off of a cliff. I'm not saying that it's going to be that profound of a drop for the Eagles, but I do think the second half will not be as dominant as the first half as they start to get nicked up a little bit. The Giants are 6-1. Give me a break. Uh, Give me a break. Daniel Jones. Yeah, okay. And Dallas is 5-2. Someone's got to step up. Rams, 49ers, Packers, Bucks. Someone's got to step up or we're going to be looking at one of the biggest snooze fest of a playoffs that we've ever seen. And I truly believe this. And the Super Bowl is many, many, many months away. There ain't nobody in the NFC that could play with the Bills. There ain't nobody in the NFC that could play with the Chiefs. There ain't nobody in the NFC that could slow down the Chargers offense. Ain't nobody in the NFC that can maybe run with the Bengals offense. And if the Ravens could stay upright, I don't know if there's anybody in the NFC that could play with them either. I think the Super Bowl is going to be an ass-whooping in favor of the AFC because I don't think the NFC could keep up. We looked at it in the preseason and said, man, where's the NFC? Where Who's going to rise up in the NFC? And through a third of the season... The answer is, it's a mess. Rodgers and Green Bay is a mess. Tampa Bay, Brady, they're a mess. The Rams are a mess. The 49ers are so beat up that uh, they don't know who's going to be coming and going on any given Sunday. And some of the teams that are playing well, the Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, have so many little pieces that leave doubt that the NFC playoff race is wide open. And that's why. Team like the Saints can maybe have a little bit of a smidge of an inkling of hope because they have a chance to maybe sneak in and then maybe catch a draw, and maybe get hot. Look, it's a it's a minuscule chance that this happens, but in the words of Lloyd Christmas, so you're telling me there's a chance. And even though the Saints are two and five, there is still a chance. Let's catch a break when we get back. We're going to Damien Saint Pierre. It's play by play here on KLEB.
0: You're listening to KLEB. 1600 AM and K274 DE 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all new Raging Cajun 102.7 FM.
7: Hi, I am Rebecca Robichaud. I am a native of Lafouche Parish, born in Thibodeau. I am an attorney. My law office is on Bayou Lafouche in Raceland. I have been practicing law for 40 years. I have been a tough advocate for all my clients. I will be firm and fair as your judge. Early voting is October 25th through November 1st. Election day is November 8th. I am number 60 on the ballot. Please vote for me. Paid for by the committee to elect Rebecca Show.
6: Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start and the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your State Farm agent has your back, too. through good times and the not-so-good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at
9: 985-632-0988.
4: Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about do-friend building materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system? Called DoFriend Easy Buy. Come see us at DoFriendLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell chase Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Do friend difference.
1: You have a pest control problem? Time to get into some trouble. It's play-by-play here on KLEB. We go to the phone lines, as we always do, Friday at 1215. We go to Damien St. Pierre, president of South LaFouche Biddy Basketball and head boys and girls basketball coach at Golden Meadow Middle School. D, what's going on, buddy? How, um, good afternoon, man.
11: love the introduction, man. We're about to get in trouble, huh? you. <laughs> I have listened to you um, about 20 minutes prior to this, and then I was listening to you and Coach listening to, uh calling the game last night. You referenced Lloyd Christmas twice. Twice in that section. Twice. That's, like, do, do we need a offline conversation about that? Like, we good?
1: Oh, dude, Dumb and Dumber, man. I got worms, dude. But what, what can I say, man? Man,
11: I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that comment. We, we, let's just let's just move on. <laughs> Let,
1: <laughs> let's let's talk some Biddy basketball and then some school basketball here to open it up. I know Biddy's getting awfully close. Um, you guys are gonna be rocking and rolling here in the next couple of weekends. And then school ball, you guys started your tryouts. So, kind of just give us a rundown here, man. Uh, you guys are about ready to be getting in the gym, bouncing the ball, and then uh, you know getting it rolling. It's a fun time, isn't it?
11: I tell you what, man, it is officially basketball season. Uh, quickly, rundown on my day yesterday: got off work, headed straight to Go To Meadow Gym. We hosted um, workouts for our girls team, our boys team, each uh, each uh, an hour or so. And then uh, me and uh, one of my coaching staff members headed on to Crosby to, um, you know, kind of work out some of our bitty kids. And we had three different teams practicing and uh, all in that 14 youth age group. And I tell you what, it's one of the, been a basketball a long time. And it was one of the, the coolest experiences that uh, just something different. You know, you got three teams coaching, three teams together, three different coaches. You kind of all going through the same and You kind of break off. We did some scrimmaging and if, the bas- the high level of basketball at- that happened last night uh in the gym happens in our regular season post merge with LaRose. That's gonna be some-, some awesome games to watch. And luckily we kinda threw something together with the good graces of the cutoff youth center. Um kind of doing a little bit more legwork than 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 what the norm is, having a wedding on Saturday night in and then at midnight we're gonna tip off our twenty twenty two 2023 Food biddy season at 11 o'clock in the cutoff Food Center on Sunday.
1: Wow, I know that's exciting. I didn't realize it was happening this weekend. So Sunday there will be some biddy basketball. I know that's a lot of fun. And then, look, middle school-wise, you guys are rolling the ball out next week, if I'm not mistaken, for tryouts and everything. So that'll be uh, in, in high gear as well, right?
11: Yeah, official tryouts. Uh, we're going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, boys and girls. We'll pick that team on Thursday and then we'll we'll get to work, parent meeting the following day, and then I think we're gonna start fresh on Monday, doing some some uh, some scheduling right now. I think we're upwards to uh to twenty two, twenty-three games right now. I'm looking looking forward to each and every one of them. Very, very good.
1: So let's talk some LSU here. Last uh weekend, you and I were kind of talking about the old miss matchup and we were saying that you know we thought it was a winnable game and that you know LSU had an opportunities there. Exactly what they did, boy. They put it on Ole Miss after the seventeen to three start. LSU won the rest of the game forty-two to three, which, you know, Ole Miss is not going to get beat forty-two to three over extended periods very often. LSU was beating their butts up front on the offensive line, opening up holes on the defensive line. They were crushing Ole Miss and hitting Jackson Dart and forcing turnovers, and. It's now become a thing where, like, look, you know, after they beat Auburn, it was, okay, well, Auburn's not any good. After they beat Florida, oh, you know, Florida kind of sucks. No, Ole Miss is pretty damn good, which leads you to believe that maybe LSU is just getting pretty damn good, too, under
11: Brian Kelly. It's coaching. It, it, it's a, And, look, I'm not taking away anything from the athletes, but it's, it's the athletes and the coaching staff combined from game one in that Florida State game. I think now we, we'd probably beat Florida State by a couple scores easily at this point in the season. We're just getting better the players are buying in. We talked about that. I think I talked about that last week while I was sitting in the, in the chops parking lot. The kids are just buying in and it's Ryan Kelly's got something special going. His press conferences are going a lot better. Um, You know, it just, I think we imposed our will and we're winning games in the trenches. I I hate to see the start we have, Um, you know, Ole Miss carved us up in those first two to three drives, missing that field goal. I thought was going to come back to bite us in the end, but it didn't, Uh, you know, Mid second quarter, into that third and fourth quarter was just, I mean, complete domination. I feel like we talk about that every single week. We get in that that, that deficit, and then have to to kind of crawl back. But it didn't seem like nobody even flinched. Seventeen to three, seventeen to three, and, and nobody kind of moved. Jaden Daniels is playing some unbelievable football in the past two, uh, you know, two to three weeks. Got eleven touchdowns in the last two weeks. I, I, I mean. And I think you said it, maybe on social media, maybe maybe on one of the shows after um, after this. He keeps playing the way he's playing. It's got to be a Heisman candidate next season. Yeah.
1: yeah, he is, dude. Look, on the season, he's got. If you combine the rushing and passing touchdowns, he's got 21 touchdowns and one interception. He's completing 70 percent of his passes. Gary Danielson said it at the end of the Ole Miss game. He's like, "Look, it's probably too late this year." But dude, this is a guy that it's crazy because look, a lot of the fans early in the season were not even sure that he was LSU's best quarterback. Now, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference if not in the country. Like that dude is balling out of control right now. It's crazy to see how much he's grown. And it just goes to show, bro, like he's always had this ability. Like he didn't just his arm didn't just get better and he didn't just get faster. Just goes to show how if you make a student athlete comfortable, this happens. He was stuck at the beginning of the year. He didn't know, run, throw, You know, should I stay in and pass? Should I should I take off and run? He didn't know. Now that he's got that balance, boy, he's a prolific, explosive player.
11: I don't think a lot of that at the beginning of the season had to do with his prior team at Arizona State. I think he had 17 touchdowns, so only three interceptions there. But he didn't have the playmakers that to put that trust in that LSU has. LSU has Sunday wide receivers. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I think he it took him a little while to figure that out. And you know, you're t- talking about people didn't know if he was the right quarterback on on LSU's roster. We, we found out out there in the Southern game when yeah. you know uh, Gus Bus Nuss threw that uh, that nice Brett Favre type interception. Casey on the defensive side of the ball, the, the three defensive tackles that we were just riding and riding and riding, they rotate. Uh, you know, after Mason Smith got injured in that first game, the depth kind of went down there, but they're playing some some great football. They're pl- plugging in holes. Held Ole Miss to uh, what half of what their their normally their their season average was. Getting to the quarterback, Harold Perkins. What do you think is the deal with him and Brian Kelly? Are they not getting along? Because Perkins maybe doesn't get it. He didn't get the majority of the snaps. I think he only played 38 snaps in in, in the Ole Miss game. But there in those snaps, he makes his like he he's known and, and he's doing something every play. What do you think is keeping him off the field for for more snaps?
1: I have no idea. I know that he didn't play a whole lot for the Tennessee game, and and I thought that was a mistake then. He didn't play a whole lot early in the Ole Miss game. I thought that was a mistake. Like, that can't happen. And, and look, I know that one of the things that Brian Kelly talked about is that it was a hard decision because to play Perkins more based on the formations and different stuff, they had to play B.J. Ojolari less. Well, Dude, if you got any type of game plan that involves Fardy not playing, like it's a bad game plan. He was wreaking chaos, and Lane Kiffin said it in his press conference, and I think it it spoke very loudly. They asked him, they said, "Hey, what was LSU doing differently? You know, like why couldn't you guys adjust?" And he said it point blank. They just started playing Fardy more, and I think that was very (laughs) telling. Like that dude could go,
11: man. Well, look, I'm I'm in no way, shape, or form uh, at the point of my life to be a college football defensive coordinator. But I would like to think that I could come up with some type of scheme that would play O'Jalari and Perkins at the same time. I don't have to
1: say right. one of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. So, Alabama's next Saturday. It'll be in Death Valley. And look, man, we're, we're all jacked up and we're talking about SEC championships. I think is going to be a long shot to beat Alabama. But the fact that they're in the conversation, dude, it, it certainly is, is a really, is a compliment to this staff. What odds you give the Tigers, bro? It's going to be a night game in Death Valley. LSU's going to be a two touchdown underdog. Alabama's kind of been limping around this year. Does LSU have a shot in this one?
11: Man, you know I've been going to games since I'm since I'm ten years old. I'm going to date myself here. I'm, I'm thirty nine at the moment. Um, I've, I've at least gone to one game per season. I would like to think in that time frame. And uh, you know, the last couple of years from nineteen, obviously was was a tremendous season. Got to got a chance to go see that Texas AM whooping at the at the last regular Joe Burrow's last regular season game. And then the last few years, you know, it's been COVID, Ida, and we just the Tiger Stadium hasn't been what it what it was and and the second half last week. There were some there were some rumblings of, of those prior years. And I think once it's once it turns dark, it's gonna be a different environment in that place and you know, last week I, the, the fans got some flack for a jump for running on the field after Ole Miss. I don't think that was old Miss. I think that was "Hey, we back." We, this yeah. this is us. This is the, our kind of football. You know, I don't think it had anything to do with the with the, the our opponent, but you know, with the way Alabama's playing, obviously they had a shake-back game with, with with Mississippi State. But I mean, who hasn't? And the, the way they've been playing, coming down to you know the last couple of plays, uh, making that wins and, and loss. I don't know if their confidence is, is as high. As, as uh, you know, in the past, that uh, hey, we're going to just go in there and steamroll everybody by just showing up. I think that's a, it's a different Alabama team. I think aside from Anderson and and, uh, and Bryce Young, you know, you, you're losing those names, and I don't think they have the receiving core that they've had in the past before. I think LSU has a legitimate shot. You're playing at home. Um, you know, you, the first night game, of the first real night game of the season, I think they have a they have a tremendous shot and I think the environment there is gonna be absolutely electric. If we get avoid, and I say we I mean LSU, if we get avoid um that slow start, this is gonna be a fun game to watch.
1: The Saints are gonna be hosting the Las Vegas Raiders, which would be a homecoming for Meek Robertson. He'll be coming back to Louisiana, New Orleans, despite being at home as a two point underdog and Dennis Allen made a little bit of some news earlier this week when he said, hey, we're playing Andy Dalton, and then he was kind of asked, well, what does that mean about Jameis Winston? And then he reiterated, he said, nope, we're playing Andy Dalton. Winston's available. Winston's ready to go. He's healthy, but we're playing Andy Dalton. The Saints have been a mess, uh, a mess throughout the course of the year. They're 2-5. and five. They've still somehow got a shot in their division. What are your thoughts, man? It was like It's a team that if you could win two or three in a row, you're going to be in first place, but I just don't know if they have any type of run in them.
11: That is unbelievable. The fact that they're playing the way they are, have the record that they do, and they still have a chance to win the division. Um, they the old, one of their two wins of the season was against the, the team that's probably favored at this point to win the division. It might be the best team in the division with the Falcons, which is hard to even fathom seeing them play with you know in the first game with Marcus Mariota. It, they are a mess, but at the same time, if you could get, if you could fix that injury bug and you could win a few and. and And stay near 500, then not even necessarily on the winning end of that, but just just stay close. Is Dalton the guy? I mean, I don't think so. I think that Arizona game just totally exposed what you know what he is, and at the moment what he is, he has nobody to throw to, and you know even rumblings of trading Alvin Kamara going on right now. I mean, that's if they're going to blow this thing up, I guess this would be the time to do it. But I have zero faith in, in. and Dennis Allen and any decision he makes, you want you want a couple, you won one game with each quarterback. So I don't know if you're rotating those guys or, or how you're going to fix that, but something has to be done. I just don't think that's the guy. That, I don't think Dalton's the guy. I don't think Winston's the guy. I don't think Dennis Allen is that guy. I just think there needs to be a revamp. And and uh, you know this year's not the year to tank. Obviously, we don't have that first round draft pick coming up, and it's just it's a tough situation for all those guys to be in. But I wouldn't wish it on anybody else.
1: <laughs> you know what's crazy is. <laughs> A lot, a lot of the guys that are injured, dude. Like Michael Thomas has been questionable for like a month. You know, Paul, years. right? Paulson and Debo has been questionable for a while. Jarvis Landry's like, I. You and I played Madden growing up. When you're questionable one week and you miss the game, the next week you're probable and you play. Like, what's going on? There's like, yeah, you, you're beat up, and, and it's very easy to 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 you know deduce that. Okay, when they just get healthy, things will be better. I don't know that some of these guys wanna get healthy and I think that's a big problem. I don't know that some of these guys wanna play. Because man, we've got some injuries that are just lingering on and on and on, and it's the same guys in the same situations over and over again.
11: Well, there's a huge difference between being hurt at two and five and a huge difference between hurt at five and two. You have a little more want to come out, you know, if if you're winning games. I just, like Michael Thomas, that that is a complete joke, and the fact that we've dealt with that speaks volumes about the organization and where we are at this point in time.
1: That's crazy, man. Let's talk something that's a little bit more positive. The NBA, the New Orleans Pelicans are off to a strong start. They're fighting some injuries, but they're actually playing super well through them. The one of the things I like about this Pelicans team, and they got a big one tonight in Phoenix against the Suns. One of the things I like about this Pelicans team is, and you know this, you've coached a ton of basketball. You've coached at a bunch of different levels of basketball. You could have a team – that is a bunch of studs and a bunch of really good players but if they don't really like vibe and you know jive together like it's not going to work the, i don't think the pelicans are the most talented team in the nba but they like one another a lot they play with a lot of spirit they're always you know on twitter tw- uh, tweeting and retweeting and tagging their teammates and making fun of their teammates and like all good spirited stuff i think that vibe is going to carry that team a long way man those dudes like one another it's a brotherhood right
11: now in new orleans yeah and we talked about it after the first game Uh, I think they were maybe interviewing Brandon Ingram, and everybody was just kind of clowning and, you know, having fun. And look, winning has a lot to do with that. If you could, if you could pull some games off that, and they're entertaining, I can tell you something from what what was the night? It was, was it Tuesday night that they played the Mavericks? Yep. So the energy in their arena was different. I don't know if that has to do with the Pelicans being, um, you know, competitive last year, have a few names that people are, 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 are accustomed to seeing now. The Saints being bad, and you know, just somebody looking to to tag along to something that's positive, but the vibe in that place was was 100 different. And I got a I got a friend that's in the uh, the front, the ticket the ticket uh, distribution. You know, I think he's a manager there, and he's like he said the the vibe is just different. He said from the 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 home opener to to that game, he said it's just something different. But again, as much positive as you want to have, you're still dealing with those injuries, and, and it just seems to be almost like a snake bitten type of type of Organization at this point with the injuries, but you have built a roster that could handle that for a little while. I don't know if they can handle that for the long haul, but you build a roster that could that could that could do something that could keep you competitive, that could keep you winning some games, and obviously that's happening now. um You know, Murphy's playing great. He had a, he had a great game against the Mavs, and you know, with with McCollum maybe having a little bit off nights, iron down, Bi down, and just. It, it's a good it's a good place for them to be in right now, and you get some of the guys, some you know, some of the younger guys, some minutes that you'll be able to count on in, in some of those crucial games that you'll hopefully have at the at the end of the season.
1: You're a recruiter. What would you do if you were with the Nets with Ben Simmons? He's averaging six, not even six, five point six points per game. He's deathly afraid to shoot the basketball. He's shooting forty four percent from the field. Every shot that he takes is inside of the lane. He's only 40% from the free throw line. Like, there's a legitimate mental block there. Like, the dude is afraid to shoot the basketball. He's out of this world talented. He's 6'11, 240 long, athletic, could jump, could do everything on the floor. But there's some mental issues there, and it's apparent. He's going to the goal a couple games ago. Kyrie Irving's yelling at him, Ben, shoot the ball. He just can't pull the trigger. What would you do to try to motivate this dude? Or is it just a lost cause at this point?
11: You got to get his confidence up. You you and look, we talked about him and and Westbrook a, a couple of weeks ago. It's mental. You almost need, you almost need some type of uh, like,
6: uh, I don't know, say a
11: therapist at this point, but some type of person to talk to, uh, you know, like a like a sounding board. Maybe you need a coach that's dedicated just to him to to you know just to get him moving and and something going in the in the in the right direction, the positive direction. It it's not good, and that was I mean, it was the same deal. Uh, you know, at, at the end of his tenure in, in, in Philadelphia as well, it's just, it's a mess and it's all it, it's all mental because obviously what you just said, you know, the physical tools are there. He's got to, the mental block is uh, is the problem.
1: Jake Paul and Anderson Silva this weekend, a matchup of one of the best MMA stars of all time against the YouTuber who's been knocking everybody out that's been in his way. Uh, first off, what are your thoughts? Because like I saw earlier this morning a headline said that well the fight's still on and then I clicked and I was like, "Well why wouldn't the fight be on?" Anderson Silva said in some interviews apparently that he's been knocked out repeatedly in his training camp for this. So like they had to do like a psychiatric evaluation to make sure that he was good. The doctors deemed that he was good and Anderson Silva apparently said oh, you know language barrier, I was just joking. You guys didn't realize it. What are your thoughts? Dude, that's not good to hear like the day before a fight is that, "Hey, oh yeah, I've been getting knocked the hell out in my camp." Like that's not a good thing to hear.
11: As the first I hear about this, I, I have done, I've, I've, I've kind of been keeping up with the press conferences and whatnot. But that's the first time I hear that. Uh, look, both Paul brothers are, and I'm going to use this term very loosely. They're geniuses. I don't know what they're skilled in. Uh, obviously, they're they're solid athletes, both of them. But whoever is managing and making these decisions for these guys, they're, they should be they should be well paid. And I'm hoping that they are. Cause you got two guys that start out on YouTube that are both known names in, in pretty much every every realm of sports. You got a guy that's, that's that's sat in there and you know in the boxing world that's fighting big names. You got a, a guy that's about to you know go for the heavyweight world champion. It's just it's it's unbelievable what what, what these guys are doing with uh, zero background. I guess we I guess we could say. But look, Anderson Silva is a legend. You know, he's an MMA legend. Uh, he may have been knocked out about a million times in his entire career, but if he's passing the uh, the, 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 the physical exams and, uh, you know, his brain's in the right place, it's going to be an interesting fight because, I mean, the guy's got a million MMA fights. He's, he's a kickboxing kind of guy. He's going to be stand-up. And, it's, uh, it's again, we talked about the Tyson fight. We talked about the Roy Jones fight. It's stuff that just is interesting and it's stuff that's going to create pay-per-view buys as just things that people want to see.
1: Jake Paul says after he knocks out Anderson Silva, he wants Conor McGregor. Then after he knocks out Conor McGregor, he wants Canelo Alvarez. At some point, he's going to bite off more than he could chew and get laid out, right?
11: Absolutely, but he's going to get paid for it. (laughs) If you go beat Silva, and if you go beat, he could beat McGregor, in my opinion. I'm I'm not too hard on McGregor, but you're not going to beat Canelo Alvarez. That's that's not happening. But to get in the ring with Canelo Alvarez, you're going to get paid multiple millions and millions of dollars. That'll make that getting knocked out a lot better.
1: This is the old debate, right? Is okay, if he were to beat Anderson Silva and if he were to beat Conor McGregor, he probably would get that fight because of the payday. Is that good or bad for the sport? The fact that he's probably the 80th best at something, but would get the title shot over the fourth or fifth best guy who's a way better fighter but isn't as marketable, is that good or bad for the sport, the fact that that fight would even happen?
11: It's awful for the sport, but it, at the same time, it's great because there's more eyes on the sport. And, you know, exposure to, let's say, boxing or MMA. You know, boxing probably not as – boxing's a niche sport at this point. It used to be, you know, probably one of the most um, – you know, popular sports back in, you know, 100 years ago or 80 years ago or 50 years ago, whatever that was, and now it's kind of an afterthought. So anytime you could get some of these younger kids that maybe have no exposure to the sport at all and you see seeing this type of stuff happen, maybe, hey, I've seen this guy's videos on YouTube. Now I'm going to watch him fight because I keep hearing his name, and I don't know who this Anderson Silva is, but then you get people interested in that. Well, I don't know who Canelo Alvarez is. get people interested in that, they see, and then they may take that up, and you may have – you know, in in twenty years, thirty years from now, you may have a heavyweight world champion. Hey, hey, you know, why'd you start boxing training? Oh, well, I saw Anderson Silva and uh, one of the Paul brothers going at it, and I thought it was pretty cool that they making all this money. And now I'm, you know, now I'm making this money myself, and I'm a I'm a legend. You know, you just never know. Any exposure is going to be good, but for the actual um, fundamentals of the sport and the the purest. It's it's awful.
1: It's terrible. <laughs> Last question before we let you go. We got Crown Jewel coming up, which will pit another Paul brother, Logan Paul, will be matched up with Roman Reigns. Those Pauls are all over the place, aren't they? Are you excited about Crown Jewel, man? I'm excited about the main event. If for nothing else, I think Logan Paul is going to put on a show, and I think his match with Roman Reigns is actually be pretty
11: good. Is that this weekend?
1: No, uh, next weekend.
11: Next week. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, you got me. You got me hyped up. So you see where <laughs> I'm at. Uh, I want to see it. You know, it's it's interesting. I think the whole bloodline, um, the ho- that whole group has like four different storylines going on, kind of at the same time, and they all kind of coming together. It's man, it's interesting. And, and again, you know, I, I I have I don't have a DVR, but I, I do have my reminder set to, to tune in. You've Got a lot going on with the you know Bray Wyatt. You got the main event. I, that, that cannot be a clean finish with. Uh, you know, with the with the Paul brother and the bloodline, that cannot with Roman Reigns, that cannot be a clean finish. That's what where I'm coming from. You don't want to tarnish either one of them. You're going to keep the belt on Reigns until until WrestleMania and have a a blockbuster, uh, you know, main event there. Just it's a lot a lot going on and a lot a lot to watch. If you if you like athleticism and you like soap operas, wrestling, right now is exactly where you want to be watching.
1: All right, so I'm going to tell you a theory from Turtle, right? So, look, this is coming from Turtle, so so take it for what you will. Taylor says, you know, all this stuff with the Usos right now, how they're kind of going rogue, and, you know, last Friday on SmackDown, Roman Reigns tells the guys, you know, hey, don't mess with, you know, the Paul brother, you know, leave him alone, let him go. But they go rogue, and one of them gets knocked out. Turtle thinks that it's going to lead to, at some point, Roman Reigns is going to snap, start abusing everybody in the bloodline. There's going to be dissension. You know, hey, I'm the I'm the big dog. I made all you guys. I made everybody here. And as that's happening, you're gonna hear the rock's theme music hit. The rock will come out, set it straight, set that angle in place for WrestleMania. What do you think of Turtles booking there, man?
11: (laughs) I'm down with that. You know, that would that would be very interesting to watch for sure. But I don't I I think there's there's too much invested into the bloodline right now. There's like I said, there's there's multiple storylines into that. I don't think a uh, uh, Roman Reigns versus The Rock to see who's the real head of the table is too far-fetched for WrestleMania. It's, there's going to be something huge coming out for WrestleMania. I did see that The Rock's daughter debuted in NXT. Yep. That's going to be another uh, a whole other a whole nother story there. That's that's something to keep an eye on as well.
1: And WrestleMania this year is
11: in Hollywood, so I mean, there are
1: a lot of a lot of things that could add up there potentially.
11: Yeah, uh, you know, the, the stars are going to come out, especially. If you got a if you got a, a hybrid movie star, uh, pro wrestling star in the main event, that that that's going to be huge if that would happen.
1: All that, and they can't wait to watch Sheamus win the title. <laughs>
11: uh, you he's killing me, brother. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great weekend. I'm gonna try
1: to go get some picks on Sunday, man.
11: Absolutely, Chase. I was actually good with you on that, but uh, much appreciated. Thanks for having me
1: again. Yep, you got it. That is Damian St. Pierre doing a great job, as always. Let's catch a break. When we get back, weekend predictions and our betting picks. It's play-by-play here on B.
0: The music on the bayou, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM.
10: Heather Hendricks here, your candidate for LaFouche Parish Judge Division A. Everyone votes in this race from the Fouchon to the St. John community, up, down, and across the bayou. I've been your prosecutor for eight and a half years, trying over 100 jury and judge trials with federal, state, and local experience. Before practicing law, I was an eighth grade teacher in the public schools for 11 years. So remember, Heather Hendricks for judge. Early voting begins October 25th and the election is November 8th. Paid for by the committee to elect Heather Hendricks.
5: There are over 3,600 RV dealerships in North America, and just over 1% of those earn the prestigious Top 50 Dealer Award. Fence RV is proud to be in that 1%. Being a Top 50 dealer takes dedication to our customers, offering the best RV brands in the market, great service, and a huge parts selection. Our goal at Bents RV is to enhance customer experiences through our commitment to customer satisfaction. Come on over to Bents RV to experience a top 50 dealer or visit us at BentsRV.com.
6: Want to become a certified babysitter? Terrabone General Health System is excited to offer Super Sitter classes. Participants will learn first aid and CPR along with safety, business, and basic child care skills. Classes are for ages 11 to 15 and will be held at Terrabone General. Upon completion of the program, students will receive a two-year American Red Cross Babysitter CPR first aid certification. Our summer sessions are about to kick off. For class schedules and prices or to register, call 985-850-6204 or visit tghealthsystem.com.
1: I want to thank Coach Damian St. Pierre for his time in the last segment of the show. It's play-by-play. I want to also thank the caller that we had during the commercial break. Offered his commentary on the bloodline and WWE. Not a big fan of Sami Zayn. Thinks that Sami Zayn's going to get his comeuppance here in the next couple of weeks. Well, that remains to be seen. It is play-by-play. We're going to get our weekend predictions as we always do on Friday. The first weekend prediction is not going to make Saints fans happy. I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to beat Carolina on Sunday and I think they're going to take over first place in the NFC South. It's crazy to think that Atlanta is in line to have success in the division this year. They're 3 and 4. They are kind of sort of not trying to win like like they don't have a very good um they don't have a very good roster. They don't have a whole lot of personnel. Their best player on paper is Kyle Pitts, who's not done anything this year. He's got just 178 yards in six games. But Mariota and their run-heavy offense is finding ways. I think they're going to beat Carolina. I think they're going to be in first place when we revisit this on Monday. Prediction two, I think the Bills are going to kill Green Bay on Sunday. I talked about this earlier in the show. I think Josh Allen has the train rolling. I think that Buffalo has a great team, not just a good team, but a great team, a phenomenal offense, and I just don't think the Green Bay um I don't like I just don't think the Green Bay roster fits with Buffalo's doing right now. <laughs> Their offense has been kind of struggling, kind of limping through. They lost to the Commanders, lost to the Jets, lost to the Giants. Like they've been limping through they narrowly got by uh, New England a couple weeks ago, and I think the Bills are going to put a hurting on those guys. When Buffalo wins, it's usually by a lot. They've won a 41-7 to game. they won a 38-3 game. I don't think it's going to be like that, but I could easily see 35-10. to It's going to be a cold-weather game, nasty weather. That usually favors the offense. We usually think low-scoring when we think nasty weather. But that favors the offense because the receiver knows where he's going. The defensive back doesn't know where the receiver's going. I think the Bills are going to put a hurting on Green Bay. Also, in the world of blowouts, I think Georgia's going to crush Florida. That's not a huge prediction, right? But, I, you know, we have all this talk in Louisiana. i Napier this, Napier that. Napier's going to be 1-4 and four in the SEC come tomorrow night. Georgia's going to beat the hell out of them. They're a 22-and-a-half point favorite. Georgia had a little lull there early in the season. Almost lose to Missouri, struggle against Kent State. They have started to play a little bit better, and just defensively, they're too sound. Florida's not going to be able to move the ball on those guys. Last two weeks, it was 42-10 to against Auburn, 55 nothing against Vanderbilt. Georgia's going to topple Florida and get a decisive victory in that matchup. I think that Kentucky is going to slow down Tennessee on Saturday. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game, but Tennessee's going to survive. I think Kentucky has all of the tools to slow down Tennessee, control the ball, control the clock, play an ugly slugfest type of game. But At the end of the day, Tennessee's going to have a few too many playmakers and they'll find a way to get a win. That's my prediction there. I think that it's going to be a, a scary time for the Volunteers on Saturday as they're taking on the Wildcats, but I do think they're going to survive. With the New Orleans Saints taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, (sighs) I hate to say this, I think the Raiders are going to win a shootout. I think the Raiders are going to have a more explosive offense. Derek Carr is better than Andy Dalton. Let's start there. Devontae Adams is better than anything that the Saints have on the edges. And Josh Jacobs is having a huge year in the backfield for Las Vegas. The Raiders are two and four. The Saints are two and five. So, a lot of folks are saying, ah, these teams are really similar. The game's in New Orleans. The Saints are losing to the worst of the worst. The Saints are losing to Carolina and the Cardinals. Like, they're losing to the bottom of the barrel. The Raiders have lost to the Chargers, who's pretty good. They did lose to the Cardinals, too. That, now, albeit that was a very flukish ending, but hey, it counts all the same. They lost to the Cardinals, lost to the Titans, who aren't bad. Lost to the Chiefs by one point. They've been losing close to some very good teams. And they've been scoring a lot, too, even in the games that they lose. I think Vegas is going to score and score and score some more. And I think the Saints will score their share, too. But I think that Las Vegas is going to get by New Orleans in a shootout this coming week. Next weekend prediction. I hate to even do this, right? I hate to even do this. I think Ole Miss is going to lose to Texas A&M on Saturday. I think Ole Miss is going to lose to Texas. I can't believe I'm picking Texas A&M. What is wrong with me? I think Ole Miss is going to lose to Texas A&M on Saturday. Texas A&M is three and four. Jimbo Fisher desperately needs a win. If they drop to three and five, one and four in the SEC. That ain't going to be a hot seat anymore. That's going to be a nuclear seat. That seat's going to be blue flames. A&M has to have it. They're at home. The things that they do well, running the ball, power offense, that's the things that Ole Miss struggles with. I think that Texas A&M is going to get an upset victory over Ole Miss in a game that really wouldn't be that much of an upset because Vegas says it's only a one-point line. And then the last one. I think Thibodeau is going to beat Terrebonne tonight and keep their playoff hopes alive. I think that Thibodeau has a better team, more complete team, more explosive offense. I like the Thibodeau Tigers to get a victory over Terrebonne tonight in a matchup of two teams that both have to have it. It is a must-win for both sides, and I think Thibodeau is going to get it. Tonight, let's look at some of the things over on the Fan Duels that we like. I like over 218.5 for the Celtics and the Cavaliers. I like the Suns minus seven over the Pelicans. The reason for that being, I don't know who's playing for the Pelicans. They've got a lot of guys who are questionable. A lot of guys who might not be in the lineup tonight. I like over two twenty two and a half and in the Rockets and the Blazers tonight. And then one more. I like over 212 and a half for the 76ers and the Raptors. Those same two teams played just a couple nights ago, and it went way over. The 76ers don't guard. But they do score, and I think that one's gonna go way over. Let's see some college football stuff. There's some games tonight. Let me see if I could give you a few that I like. Huh, college football. I like tonight. Louisiana Tech minus six over Florida International. Florida International is big bad. Tomorrow, I like uh let's see. Let's go to this one. I like Oklahoma and Iowa State to go over fifty-six. I like Notre Dame plus one and a half over Syracuse. I like, um, Arkansas minus three over Auburn. I like Ohio state minus 14 over Penn state. And I'll give you one more. Let's see. I'm looking forward to know where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah, I like under 56 and a half in Georgia and Florida. I think Georgia's going to win. Oh, 42 to seven type of thing. So I like an under there. That'll wrap things up for me today. I'm going to thank our sponsors, and then we'll get out of here on this Friday show. It's been a good week of shows here on Play by Play. I thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday. We've got the Sports Corner tomorrow. Join us on Saturday for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Grava and myself for the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts, sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Also, want to thank the Blue Boot Foundation, Bent's RV, located on Highway 90 in Boutique, Southland Dodge and Homa. Industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs because power's is our middle name. friend Building Materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz Off, the only all natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. And Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South LaFouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. If you're going to a game tonight, be safe. If you're going to the fair tonight, be safe. If you're planning to indulge at the fair, don't be stupid. Get a designated driver. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back on Monday. You've been listening to Play by Play. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. The music on the bayou, the Rage
8: in Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB and 102.7 FM.